are plugged in to the Outlet Radio Show with Azania Shanghai. Everyone, thank you for plugging into the Outlet Radio Show. I am your host Azania Shangay. Um, yeah, this is going to be a good show. I'm really excited. But let me get down to the first order of business. I want you to help me welcome back, holding me down on sound in the background, Mr. V. Jeffrey Smith. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's so funny every time. Every time I get to that point, he's like, all right, all right, all right, get it, keep it moving. But I'm always really happy that he's here because I can't imagine doing it without him. Okay, now that we've gotten that handled, I'm I'm really excited about my guest today. I love her so 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 much, and I admire her, and I'm just such a fan of her journey and her accomplishments, and it's so inspiring to me. She's the executive producer at the Apollo Theater.、Mm-hmm. Um, you may know her from having worked with Russell Simmons' Deaf Poetry Jam.、Um, And she, you produced with them for seven years, which is incredible. I mean, there's so many things, guys. Honestly, I really can't, I can't, I can't reference everything because she's so amazing. You have to Google her, but I'll, 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 I'll drop a few of them in here in, in bits and pieces. Please, guys, help me welcome my friend, my mentor. I hope, fingers crossed, Miss <laughs> Camila Forbes. Hey, Camila. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on、oh、your show. God, I can't even. This is even, exciting. My heart is like racing. That's so funny. Because I'm so nervous, excited. That's like, so、ugh. funny. Well, so am I. So this is awesome. We're here. We're here. We're sitting on the floor in your living room. That's、so、right. Comfy, cozy. Comfy, cozy. And I just. Can you just tell me how to grow up and be just like you? you can we just、so、start there? Can、funny. we open the show with just how do I grow up and and just develop into that awesomeness of who you are? Of being all over the place.、Sure. I mean, goodness. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try for you guys. I'm gonna point out a few things of of note that I am personally very proud of. You went to Howard University. That's right. Okay. Hello. H U in the building. You actually were one of the founding members of the Hip Hop Theater Festival. That's right. Yeah. For sixteen years, was it sixteen? For sixteen years, and it's now the organization has been renamed High Arts.、Um, we did festivals originating in New York City. We were the first to.、Uh, originally, we, we produced.、Uh, my partners were Danny Hawk and Clyde Valentine. Um, and we produced Sarah Jones actually for the first time with with one of her first theater theatrical pursuits. Wow!、Um, that was almost that was actually almost seventeen years ago now. And then we started doing festivals in Washington D.C., Chicago, and then San Francisco. So as the co-founder and artistic director for High Arts, I saw something written that read. Forbes is noted for having a strong commitment to the development of creative works by, for, and about the hip hop generation. When I read that and I saw the I saw the work that you've created under that umbrella, I 
found it really fascinating that you felt so you felt it was so important for you to kind of create that that bond between the hip hop community and the art community. Mm -hmm. So what was that for you? Why was that so important to you? So, um, you know, coming out of Howard and working as a kind of young theater artist, I was working in these very traditional regional theaters, um, doing works, like I mentioned earlier, Old Settler, works by August Wilson. But I never saw my generation represented. I didn't see them represented in the audience. Um, I didn't see them represented on stage. Um, I didn't really see myself or the aesthetic that I identified with, or the sort of the cultural political voice that in my daily life I inhabited, I didn't see that reflected on stage. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, if theater was supposed to be the sort of reflection of ourselves, um, I, I thought that that was a, a huge omission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so therefore I w- was really committed with, to supporting, you know, uh, younger writers, younger voices. Um, um, and if the larger institutions weren't going to take on this challenge, um, uh, well, I felt like then this was an opportunity for us to, I wonder, did you, um, do you feel like the idea of a show like Hamilton yeah. was even possible because Absolutely. of, we had, um, so Lynn's first work, um, in the Heights, you know, he submitted to our festival wow. the second year. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we saw the potential of a Hamilton aesthetically. Yeah. Um, we saw the potential that there were was a huge void of audiences that was not being spoken to in the theater. Um, that's what we saw. And so the question was, how do we address this? Right. Um, did we know that that the specific work Hamilton was going to be it and take off in, in, in this way? Um a little bit in part, kind of, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I will say yes. Because, you know, how, I mean, it's the same. How, how, can, how can it not? Yeah. How, how can this cultural force, which is now a global cultural force, Absolutely. has become the global cultural force for a generation? Um, and, and, you know, you, you, you have these major performing arts institutions, which won't address it or, or, or won't even acknowledge its presence. Um, but it's not only global cultural force, but also an economic. Um, yeah, <laughs> hip-hop is one of the biggest, oh, yeah. our, our number one export, you know, in the United States right now, cultural export. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how could it not? How could it not win? Yeah. That was, mm. I, when, I, when I came across this particular part of your bio and I was realizing that you guys were, you pretty much created this space for um, hip hop to mar- to to kind of have a marriage with theater. I realized, wow, there's so many things that have kind of sprung from that idea. Yeah. Um, so I think in the work that you started 15, 16 years ago, you created a space for something to now take on a life of its own. Because yeah. when I when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, does it exist because this space existed? Well, um, I think it would have existed. It was all symbiotic, right? Because I think there was a space and time in which there was a generation of artists who this was the voice. Um, and this 
was just happened to be the language that we spoke. Um, and there was just no other spaces that would, um, open the door. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and therefore we had to self create and self identify and create a space for ourselves. And that's really where the festival came from. Um, and where that space came from. So yeah, I think Hamilton would have existed, you know, um, without us, but if there wasn't an us, there would have been another kind of self selected organization. Right, right, right. To support the work. Right. Because ultimately, you know, what we did is as an organization is we, we not only supported artists like, um, you know, Danny Hawk, like the Linda and Wells of the world, Chris Diaz, um, Issa Davis, Dominique Morceau was in our first, her first works were, was in our festival, um, which is yeah amazing. Right. (laughs) But you know, the organization and these kinds of organization became advocates. Yeah. To other folks to say, hey, listen, pay attention to these writers. These are the folks you should be thinking about. These are the folks you should be looking at. Yeah. Um, at a time when, you know, the signature um, wasn't paying attention yeah. in that way that they are now. <sighs> or any of those theaters, not just to call a signature. But Okay, so I have to tell you. Yes. Why? And this is not it, guys. Please, honestly, this is so much. It's so much. Her, her <laughs> bio is so extensive. It's crazy. I had to like cherry pick parts of it. But I have to stop right now because I, you know, I started as an actress. <laughs> you started as an actress. I did. That's right. You've worked as a producer. I've worked as a producer. Yeah. I really love the fact that you have kind of followed your heart, your calling. That's you, right. <sighs> yeah. um, you're also from a Caribbean background. You're Jamaican. You're, you're, you're actually first generation That's American. Right. Yep. Um, my family is from a Caribbean background. <laughs> so that can be kind of challenging. Yeah. I don't know about your family, but yeah. you know, in mine for you to kind of pursue the arts, because I know a lot of times in the Caribbean, our families want us to be doctors or lawyers or things along that line. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you navigate that conversation Mm. as a as a person of Jamaican descent how did you have that conversation with your family you know I uh, I've always been a very um, going against the grain person since I think I was born that's always been my personality Um, and so and and specifically my personality my family and you know and I, I was always involved in theater my parents got me piano lessons when I was young. So, and always took me to theater. So the fact that I would fall in love with it, um, I don't see why it would be a surprise to them, but it was, you know, (laughs) this was to help me be a well-rounded person, not to choose a career path. Um, so, um, but you know, it was, it was really in high school, um, where I really bit the bug. And when I got to Howard, I came in as a pre-med student, and I remember the first semester, the only class I signed up for in, my, in that major was biology. Um, and, you know, and I, I just didn't do well. I wasn't really focused um, because I was so interested in everything else mm. and everything else that was happening in the building of fine arts. So, so much so that the second semester, I signed up for all my courses in fine arts wow. to the point where the fine arts you know, department said, you know, you really, if you're going to do this, you need to think about being a major. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I applied. And, and then after the freshman year, I came home and I said, mom, dad, hey, this is what I'm doing. And they fell out and they <laughs> sent me back to school with no tuition money. What? 
And so then I said, okay, bet. And so then I walked around to every single department. I had a strong enough GPA and I got a scholarship. Wow. And got a scholarship and I said, okay, cool. That's okay if you don't send me with money because I'm all right. And this is what I'm about to do. Wow. So deal with it. That is amazing. Um, yeah, and you know, and it's amazing, and it just shows. I think I'm very kind of tough-headed, and and you know, at that time, I didn't realize the kind of tough road that it means to be an artist. Yes, <laughs> um, oh, and that it means to work that. in the creative field. Um, just from building a career, because you're literally making the path, making the road while walking. Um, whereas, you know, there's other career paths where. You know, the internships are abundant and the internships lead to a full time position, yeah. which leads to, mm-hmm. you know, there's a whole path built for you. And that's, that was not the case. You know, I came out of school um, and I was bartending and I was teaching aerobics classes. I was doing everything but my major, um, even though I was acting, you know, I was auditioning and I was acting and I was working at studio theater and Shakespeare. But um, but it wasn't consistent enough to make a living. How did you keep yourself from feeling um, so detached from that thing that you were so so passionate about when everything in life dictated, okay, you have to work as a bartender or you have to take mm. a dance class. Mm. You know, sometimes it feels like you have to choose one or the other, mm. especially if you're living in a city like New York or or D.C. or something where you, you have to pay to live here and it's not cheap, so you have mm. to have a job. Yeah. And your career isn't necessarily paying you right now. Mm-hmm. So you have to sometimes turn your attention away from that thing that you love to do the thing that you need to do in order to survive and thrive in the city that you choose to live in. That's right. You know what? I think I I was always, you know, I guess this is where the Caribbean background comes in. I was always a hustler, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I always saw my parents um, do three and four or five things um, just to make their ends meet. My mom came here to study medicine, um, but she worked cleaning houses. She worked at a lab. She did... Yeah, everything in order to make that happen for her. Um, so I saw that and I modeled that. Um, and it's always you I think, think keeping your eyes on the prize and knowing that, you know, although, you know, this is my night job or I was teaching aerobics early in the morning, like that kept my days free. Yeah. You know, to read scripts, to see work, to go out on auditions, to rehearse. Yeah. That kind of thing. But it, it's it's a grind for sure. Um, but it's just, I think, a different way of looking at the world and like your own career trajectory and path. Mm-hmm. It was just a different kind of shift um, than what the rest of the world was doing. Yeah. So I'm curious because you, I'm really curious about this conversation because I too worked as an actor or started out in this business as an actor. And then my attention turned toward something else still yeah. in the same industry, but something yeah. else. Yeah. What was that? What, what drove you to kind of turn your attention at uh, your attention elsewhere? So I worked on a play, um, uh, the old settler at studio theater and Essie Pertha Merkerson was in it and Linda Gravad and it was directed by Surratt Scott. So, um, all black women. Right. And I was fascinated. Um, and I was, I was the understudy to the young woman who is in that play. Um, and so, you know, uh, and, and I'd, I'd understudied a couple times. So I kind of got, got that pretty quick, but you know, there were times when I had to jump in the rehearsal um, as an actor, and I was far more fascinated with what was happening on the other end of the table mm-hmm. than, than I was with my acting partner. <laughs> um, and not to say anything was wrong with my acting partner, but I, there was so much more going on and, and so much more to control. I liked the idea of being able to um, control and create the whole environment um, not just the environment of my character, but the environment of 
what does the set look like? Um, how are the costumes and the set relating? How does the costumes, the set, and the sound make magic, right? Yeah. Like, and that's what was happening on the other end of the table um, is that they had a vantage point um, that included all of that, all all of that imagination. Um, and, 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 and I wanted to be a part of that. So yeah. that's where it really started. Wow. Okay. So... <laughs> When I was looking at your bio and I was seeing all of the different ways in which you, all of the different shows that you've produced, you've kind of, this it's a spectrum of like, you, you've dealt in poetry, you've dealt in musical theater, you've done um, regular stage theater. Like I've, you're everywhere. Your interest, your interest and your experience really spans yeah. um, pretty far and wide. Yeah. So how, how is it, how do you, when you're going into a space that's new and different to you, how uh-huh. do you approach it? Is it mm. something that makes you nervous? Is it something mm. that excites you in terms of the challenge of it? Mm. Like what's your, okay, I've never done this before. What, what do you, how do you, how do you go beyond that space of, mm. okay, this is new and different? Well, two things. I think that um, when I think about it, you know, so a lot of times nothing is really new, but you know what, because, um, a lot of the spaces that I inhabit, I'm I'm in that space because there's something that excites me. There's something that I'm curious about, um, and and that's why I think I love about what I do is that I'm I'm curious about so many things, and 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 a new project is just another opportunity to scratch that curiosity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but I had a mentor actually who. Um, uh, Oh, I'll call him a mentor, George Wolf. Uh, <laughs> I worked with him and he told me, he said, you know, the first time that he had done a musical, he had never done a musical before in his life. And, and he was sl- slated to direct one. And he said, you know what? You just fake it until you make it. Mm-hmm. And, and I will take that with me is that, you know, you figure it out. Um, I think you figure it out. Nothing is really new, you know, directing. Nothing is really new. It's, it's sort of all the same format. The The language might be different. The medium might be different, whether it's musical or television. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you're still telling a story. Yeah. And that's, that's universal. That's all the same. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this isn't something I plan to ask you on the show. Will you, Please, are you going to be my mentor? I mean, we oh, had the conversation. <laughs> so funny about that. You're so amazing. I'm oh, like, oh my gosh. gosh. I need like you on speed dial. Like, oh, okay, this is the next so thing I'm approaching. Funny. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Hey. As long as you keep giving me makeup tips. Absolutely. That's a, that's an arrangement <laughs> I can definitely uphold my end on that. I just, I'm so inspired by your approach, your cool and calm head about mm. all of these things that you do. Mm. When I realized that you were the associate director on The Wiz Live, I just was, all I kept thinking was, how did you go in, because that was even new for the network. That was so Do you new. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And how did you go into that? Yeah. How did you approach it? Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating to me. Well, The Wiz Live was something interesting. And um, the lead director on that was Kenny Leon, which I'd worked with many times before, prior um, but this was an exciting opportunity. One, because I was a huge fan of The Wiz. Oh my God, yes! Like the, the t- uh, you know, the musical and you know the film. A huge fan, and so an opportunity to, to begin to kind of recreate that and relive that was amazing. But you're right, the medium of what uh, musicals on television live 
the medium hasn't even defined itself. Yeah. Um, you know, for the network, they had done it a few times prior, but every single time the format was drastically different. different. Mm-hmm. And so they haven't quite figured out what the right formula was. So quite frankly, we were going in with uh, the best sort of, this is what we think today <laughs> might be good <laughs> and might work. Um, so we'll see. Um, and it's, it's, you know, every project is an experimentation. Um, it's an experimentation in, in, in kind of what you, what are the tools you, you, you have at your fingertips in order to tell the story. And, and that's the, and so, you know, we had the tools of the whiz. We had the tools of, um, the amazing choreography of Fatima Robinson. Um, and, and, and this incredible recreation of the music. Um, but, but the approach that this, the, the whiz live took was let's look at it as a two dimension, as a musical, right. As if we were shooting a musical, um, where it, as the other ones prior, Peter Pan took more of like a three to four dimensional approach in mm. which they were shooting every single setup looked like a film. Mm-hmm. So you were shooting from various different angles, various different takes, but you lost kind of the live aspect yeah. of it. So, um, so this, this approach was, okay, let's look at a little bit more two dimensional as if you were an audience member in the theater, mm-hmm. um, watching this work. Um, so, you know, that, that was one approach. And, um, and, and we did that and I think it was exciting and there was a lot of learnings from that. Um, and a lot of gains, I think creatively. So now you are the executive producer at the Apollo Mm -hmm. and it seems as if all of the experience that you've gained over the years, it now intersects and it's here. That's right. Um, serving your role at the Apollo. Yeah. (sighs) The Apollo is such a legendary space. It is. And it seems like that alone is a huge undertaking I to mean, go into that building. It's iconic. Yeah. You know, when you think about the people who have, number one, graced the stage, um, call the space home, um, It's it can be overwhelming. I mean, just the other day, you know, um, Dionne Warwick, we inducted her into a walk of fame. Mm. And, and I mean, she walks through the halls like, yeah, this is this is my house. <laughs> like this is her living room, you yeah. know. So there's a certain kind of responsibility and care, I think, um, that um, being in, associated with the Apollo Theater um, th- that that you have to take. Yeah. Um, which is which is major. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I went on a tour of the Apollo recently, which is very funny because I grew up in New York and I'd never done it before. And you think as a New Yorker, these things that are kind of in the background, they're almost background noise to you. You think, oh, I know the Apollo. But I went on a tour and I was blown away Mm. by the space and what has taken place there Mm. and how it has served the community over the years and Mm. how the the community is so supportive of the space. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's really a a hand to hand relationship. It completely is. I, you know, it's, it's, and I've worked in a lot of different theaters as a director, producer, and, and I've never experienced anything like that before. I think so many theaters want that kind of relationship with the community in which folks truly have ownership. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And, and, and at the Apollo, it's real. Yeah. You know, if folks don't like what's going on, they're going to come up and knock on your office door and tell you. (laughs) I live on 126th Street and I have an opinion, you know, and that's great, right? Because um, that when you talk about like really doing service to the community, this space does it, right? It is completely a gathering space, not only for the creative arts, but for social and political activism. Um, And I think I'm, I'm honored to be able to usher, you know, the institution into its next phase and its next life cycle of growth. 
So how how would you say this experience, how how would you say transitioning from all of these different experiences and, and learning how to shift and mold yourself to whatever the task is mm-hmm. um, and adapt to whatever the responsibilities are for the role, whatever role you're playing in these different um, projects and, and productions, how would you say it has groomed you and helped you grow mm. over the years? Mm. Um, well, I've, I've had to manage a lot of different kinds of people in a lot of different spaces. Um, I think as a director, you are constantly having to be clear with your vision, clear with your communication of talking to not only your artistic director, producers, actors, designers, um, and you're ultimately communicating the same vision, but in many different languages, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a leadership skill. Um, so, so that's something I've had to do, you know, as a director and, and producer, quite frankly, you know, uh, in a lot of different spaces over the years. Um, so, so that's one thing that I think that has helped to groom me to this place now, but also working in all these different mediums, working in theater, working in music, working in um, multidisciplinary theater, working in television and film is intersecting right now at the Apollo. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, you know, and that's exciting. And then just the opportunity to dream big. Yeah. Like that's that for me, I think, is probably the most exciting space right now um, because we are building and growing and expanding over the next few years. So it's really just calling like, okay, well, what does this mean? Um, And and we're growing and building, expanding as as a black performing arts institution um, in the United States, which there are very little of this size. Um, I can count on two fingers, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you know, um, so there's a responsibility, I think, that we have um, to dream big and dream even bigger for our future because yeah. um, we're, you know, we're, we're creating a runway not just for ourselves, an institution not just for ourselves, but um, for our grandchildren to talk about. Yeah. What scares you? That. <laughs> <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> The fact that I'm we like, got this responsibility. The whole time you're talking, I'm like, she's fearless. She's amazing. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All of that on a daily basis. Really? It's like the fact that, oh my God, um, wow, we have this amazing opportunity to chart the path, to, you know, for, you know, one of the largest black performing arts institutions of the country. That's what scares me. That, wow, we've got to make it happen. Yeah. Like, and it's not a want or desire. It's almost a necessity mm-hmm. because of the responsibility. And that scares me. Yeah. Um, but that's what I think keeps me going. I, you know, I, um, when I get bored, I know it's time to move on. Really? When I get bored and it's happened a lot and I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's not fun anymore. Oh my God. So oh my God, I love hearing you say that. Okay. I have good. To put, I have to put my laptop down because, all right. I get bored. And I get scared, mm. you know, every before every show I get scared, but it's it's like I get nervous because I really want to do great. And I'm and I know that I'm challenged because each guest is different. Each guest mm. has their own story and I want to serve that story. Mm. Um, and so I get nervous that I that, mm. I, you know, I'm hoping that I do that. And that's great. That means that you're being challenged. You don't want right. to ever do anything that doesn't scare you at least a little bit. That's right. And so I'd love to hear you say, one, that the the very thing that you're t- taking on is the same exact thing that scares you. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing you say that you get bored because it, it makes me feel like, okay, it's it's that I think that's your compass in many right. ways. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a point, I think, when you can master whatever the task that's in front of you. 
and that's great. And, yeah. and you know, like we, you can go on autopilot and you can do something with your eyes closed. Um, and I've, I've been in spaces or projects where, or you're just at a point where, you know, a certain kind of medium just is sort of like, okay, this is bored. I can do this so easily. Yeah. Um, and now I know it's time to move on. I yeah. need the next challenge. Yeah. Um, I need the next challenge. I need to be scared. Yeah. Um, because that means it's new terrain. That means I'm charting new terrain. That means I'm building my skills. You're stretching out of your comfort I'm zone. I'm stretching out of my comfort yeah. zone. Absolutely. Oh, my God. That's and it's so necessary to do that. Yeah. See, I don't yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> because I think I have to kind of find peace with myself because I think I'm a bit judgmental of myself. And when mm. I get bored, I'm like, is it because I'm not focused? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but I, I often you know shrug it off after maybe a day of, of thinking about it but for I realized that I have to go where you know that my heart is calling me yeah. to go like I have yeah. to follow that and yeah. so I love hearing from you especially when I look at how your career has not been a straight path you've kind of gone and explored different um, versions of direction of, produ- of producing um, you've been you've done so much work from so many different platforms and, and, and you're spanning all over media. Like it's just, it's so broad and so diverse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate the fact that you have honored wherever your heart has Mm. called you to Mm. go Mm. um, versus doing what um, uh, oftentimes our parents will suggest, which is stay in a job for 20 or 30 or 40 years and then you retire. And that's, so I love that about artists because it seems to be a consistent story that we don't necessarily do that. We follow wherever our artists calling us to go. That's right. I mean, you know, yes, I, I think that's part of the, it's part of the reality and necessity (laughs) because (laughs) at times there may not be a job carved out for you like that. Um, but, um, but I also think it's, you know, we constantly as artists have to be challenged, right? I think artists artists hold a certain responsibility to be responsive about the world around us, right? I think um, it's, uh, I say this, that, you know, it's the artists who ultimately reflect and amplify the ambition of the community, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so in order to do that, there has to be a sense of constant movement and searching and reflecting and observation. Um, And so, you know, you can't stay in one place. Um, You shouldn't stay in one place. Um, Because otherwise, in order to truly, again, amplify ambition, um, you you have to constantly be curious about the world around you. um, And looking at various different vantage points. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm really big on travel and that's I know right. That yeah. 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 <laughs> I would love, I remember when I first yeah. went away for the nine months, I really, while I was traveling, I was like, I, when I, if I ever have the opportunity to do something for my community, it would be right. ways in which to facilitate travel for younger kids. So they don't, they don't have to wait until my age, because I think it's really important to understand that there's a global community out there yeah, that's and exciting. it helps kind of put your experience in perspective a bit that's my big um, dream too is actually to travel i mean to travel like that yeah i want to my favorite show is international house hunters <laughs> because you know i want to live outside of the the country yeah um and live you know mm-hmm. and be able to live and soak and see from a different vantage point um the world around 
And, and I think as artists, it just informs our art absolutely. and our experience, um, especially if you're an actor. It helps kind of inform your choices as an actor, um, as a writer, certainly. I mean, that's mm -hmm. pretty obvious. But just as an artist in general, I mean, mm -hmm. Jeff is a, is a musician who's traveled the world himself. Mm -hmm. And I know that just the influences of, of as a musician, the, the different music in other places in some way has probably played a sure. part in Sure. In his in his music as well, so I yeah. just feel like it's important as artists for us yeah. to kind of go beyond the 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 neighborhood. That's right, and in many in many ways the, the country. Like I, just, I'm so about that. <laughs> I'm absolutely. I really don't even know more. how we got off on that. I it think just, I started talking about international house hunters <laughs> and my dreams for the future. <laughs> so you had said earlier in the early part of our conversation, you were talking about just the what your experience has been as an artist and what you've kind of, you alluded to the challenges of being an artist. Mm. What were some of the earlier challenges that you faced mm. that if you had an opportunity, for example, to go back to Howard and speak to a group mm. of kids who were preparing to graduate and set off in a, in your direction mm -hmm. or my direction, what, mm -hmm. what kind of wisdom would you impart mm -hmm. on those, those young scholars? Mm -hmm. Um, well, two things. I think that um, a few things, actually. Um, so early on, um, uh, as a director, um, and particularly as a young director, right? As a director, you basically get this title in which you are bestowed the creative leader of, of any said project, play, series, etc. And I realize that, you know, it's a big responsibility and one that I, I uh, did not realize how big early on in my career. Right. Um, and I and, uh, you know, the one thing I've, I've learned about leadership now is that leadership is not something that is just bestowed with a title, but it's something that's earned on a daily basis mm. um, in order to be an effective leader, in order to be an effective director and or producer or, or however we define leadership, um, you have to create an appropriate fellowship, right? Mm. Um, so what are your tactics? Um, that's something we know we don't learn in school. We learn all the tactics, tactically how to be a good director, tactically how to be a good producer, but how do we learn how to truly be a good leader? How do we learn how to inspire and motivate? Um, so, I say that to say that we can't take that for granted. That's something that's just going to magically happen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I encourage um, kind of younger directors and producers to find those mentors to help guide them through those soft skills, which are, quite frankly are 90% of your job. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, that's great that you know how, you know, you can shoot the heck out of da 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 da. But if you can't inspire a crew of 200 people, um, you know, that affects your product. Absolutely. That affects every, so, so I, I, I just think that that's that leadership really, truly growing into becoming a good leader, I think is, is crystal and vital. Um, and that's, that, that's one of that's, that's really big for me, particularly for like young people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, 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 that's just a skill that we have to seek out. That's not going to be taught by any institution and we have to seek that out from older mentors um from folks who walk the path from folks that we you know kind of look up to and admire um the other thing is um around you know entrepreneurship um and this is big at howard right mm -hmm. like 
everybody had a business like you know <laughs> like uh, that was kind of the Howard way um but I realized how the skill of entrepreneurship and um not waiting for opportunity but always looking to create opportunity mm. has um has really assisted me in my journey right um and you know, a lot of times people say, oh, well, you know, there's not enough black theater companies. Well, there can be if you start one, mm-hmm. you know, oh, well, there's not enough X, Y, Z. Well, you need to be and lead the charge in that voice and right. um, and the rest and, and not allowing, you know, and instead of complaining about it, allowing the rest of the world to follow. Um, so I think it's that spirit of entrepreneurship that I um, would absolutely encourage, particularly for young artists, because quite frankly, you know, the more we wait and wait and wait for the right opportunity to come along, you know, that's not going to happen. Right. You have to build it. Yeah. You have to build it. I, I personally felt that responsibility as an actor. Um, I think that's part of what led me to stray away from it because I had gone on a few auditions and I wasn't particularly inspired or excited Mm -hmm. by the material that I was auditioning for. And some of it was, um, I was, I was playing into a stereotype or Mm -hmm. I had a commercial audition, which was ridiculous at one point. And they said, so you're going to be the ghetto girl. And I just was like, okay, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, I don't, I don't, this, wow, this is not going to work, you know, anyway. So, you know, I remember being really frustrated mm-hmm. by the material that I was able to audition for as a non-union actor. And I recognized at that moment that I have a responsibility to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I can't just be a, an actor who doesn't write. And there's room for my story just like there's room for everyone else's. That's right. So I, I realized that I wanted to be on the side of creating mm-hmm. versus just in some having my fate in someone else's hands. I hear that. So... I I totally agree with you about the spirit of entrepreneurship. I think that is so, so, so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we, the generation behind us has it even better than I had it, but I had it pretty great where we came up in a digital age where we can create on our own platforms. We can put it up on our computer. We have equipment is so much cheaper. That's right. You know, Um, so it's definitely the time to really follow that spirit. Absolutely. Follow it, embrace it, encourage it. Um, build structures that support it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about millennials and and kind of the way in which they're working and thinking, I, I, I then think about, well, okay, so how how does our infrastructure support that kind of thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, how do our institutions support that kind of thinking and creation? Um, you know, because that's where we're going to lag behind, right? Yeah. If, if we don't ultimately, if our community and or infrastructure and or corporate structures don't look to find ways to support that kind of entrepreneurship spirit and thinking yeah. and creation, we'll be left behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is... This is great. When I think about um, Howard, one of the fondest memories that I have is the community. And, and we were talking about that a little mm, bit earlier. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my peers, I'm still in touch with them. And we just are so passionate about working and creating that it's never a conversation of how much am I going to get paid? And, right. you know, it's it's yeah. really we support one another in whatever way we can. So mm-hmm. if I were to go back to Howard, I know that for me, I would say this to the freshman class, actually. Um, 
work with your peers as if you have a job. Mm, like let go. them see you at your best. Oh, Don't that's treat great. this like school. Right. Because when you leave, these are going to be your peers in the industry. That's right. And when they have projects, they're going to be right. thinking about, oh, I remember so-and-so yep. from yep. class or I remember this person's project or whatever. Like this is really your artistic community right now. Oh, that's a good so point. So show up now. Don't wait. You know, and I, I think about my friends and I, there are people that I wouldn't even think twice about asking to help yeah. me with something, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it was a beautiful institution. I'm so yeah. proud to be from Howard. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. the yeah. people that I know and meet even after sure. having graduated, I, sure. every, it's a caliber of person and, and student that it's, it's just unmatched. Absolutely. It really is unmatched. I couldn't so. agree more. Couldn't agree more about Howard university. It's a, it's a special place. Um, and, um, a special place that validates our identity. You know, I always wonder why is Howard so special? Um, and, you know, there's, it was a specific time in our lives in which our identity is not only validated, but embraced, um, upheld, yeah. Um, defined. Yeah. Um, that I don't think you can get anywhere else, many other places. Mm-mm. You know, when I, I, I look at what you've done and, and I look at your, the, the footprint that you've left mm. so far, because you were so far from done. Mm. Uh, I'm looking at the footprint that you've left and your influence to this artistic community. And it is astounding mm. to me. Mm. And I'm, it really just, it, I, it leaves me speechless because I am so amazed by what you've been able to accomplish. And now to tack on to all of that greatness, you are a wife. You're a mother to this gorgeous little girl. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. <laughs> How do you strike a balance, even at this particular, especially at this point when you when you now have that family life, yeah. and then you have this this very um, involved career yeah. that requires a great deal of time and attention. You know, it's a it's it's a daily challenge. I think every single day for itself because there's days when I feel like I'm not balanced at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's days when I just have to check out of work. Yeah. I just have to check out, um, and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Um, there's days when I have to be at work all day and not feel guilty about not being home with my yeah. daughter. Um, you know, starting this job, I started this job when, uh, uh, the, the official announcement that I was starting at the Apollo came when I was nine months pregnant, you know, four days before she was born. Um, and then I started when she was three months old and, and that was probably one of the hardest things to do is yeah. to leave my little baby girl thinking, Oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, this little person's life depends on me and here I am leaving her for eight hours a day, sometimes even more, you know, is this the right decision? Mm-hmm. And I think about that on a daily basis, um, you know, because I, I understand and, and I begin to see, you know, the, the commitment of motherhood and how much time and energy yeah. um, that young people and little people and rightfully so they need to nurture. Um, and the other end of it, you know, seeing that my job, <laughs> you know, and, and this thing that I'm equally just as passionate about um, also puts a lot of demands. And so I've had to become better at drawing boundaries um, and being more rigid about my boundaries. Yeah. Um, on both ends. So when I'm at work, I'm at work. Um, and for a said period of time, and then I have to leave. 
Yeah. I've been very used to kind of taking my work with me and taking calls at any other time and, you know, gallivanting to this show, that show, this show. And now it's it's like, okay, maybe I'm not going to be able to see every show in the city. Uh, I might not be able to be at every single premiere and that's okay. Yeah. And getting okay with that um, because I'm trying to make space in my life for family. Yeah. You know, which is just as important. But I, it's hard. It's a daily, it's a daily struggle filled with guilt. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of guilt. Filled with guilt. I remember talking to you um, a short while ago. We were in the park and I was t- saying to you that I'm, you know, I was like, you have it all. You have the career, you have the family, you have the beautiful baby. And I'm, I can say I'm 38 years old. I haven't, I I said, I I don't have, I I mean, I'm working on the career. I don't have the family. I don't have the marriage. Like, and I was saying, I'm trying to find a a place of peace because, you know, again, I I remind you guys, my family's Caribbean and they remind Mm -hmm. me of this anytime we have a conversation. Um, so to know that I'm approaching 40 and yeah. these things haven't happened and you were just like, Azania, don't worry about those things. That's right. Don't worry about you them. You can't. You can't all in due time, seriously, because I think, you know, um, family will come in your life when it's ready, when the stars align. I truly believe in that. Um, and, and, and when God is ready to, to, to make that happen for you, you know, um, I couldn't imagine having a, um, a, a child five years ago. Like my mind was, I was, what? Baby who? <laughs> what? Diaper? No. <laughs> that was not part of my reality at all. Right. Um, but, you know, again, like I said, it, it's in due time. And even still, you'll still feel guilty about it. <laughs> still feel <laughs> like you're not giving one thing enough time or the other thing enough time. Yeah. And and so, you know, there's just a point where you just have to make peace with it all. You know, on a daily basis as being a woman executive, like, um, you know, my male counterparts do not have to deal with the same amount of guilt that I yeah. do. Um, and, 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 and I see that. And, you know, I could feel guilty about that. Like, Wow. You know, they, there's so much more work that they could be doing that, that just by sheer virtue of being a mother um, of a young child that I can't, yeah. um, but you just gotta make peace with it all. This is your path mm-hmm. and embrace it. Well, I appreciate that. Yes. I do. I appreciate those words. I rep- I appreciated them that day because you were like, Azania, don't worry about, stop thinking about your yeah, age. Don't, don't feel don't, rushed. Don't press yourself. Don't. And I was like, okay, Don't. all right. <laughs> Listen, we can have a baby, you know, shoot, there's no time limit on that. Right. That's true. Not as long as medicine's involved. Right. You can stretch this thing out. <laughs> you can stretch it out. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be down. For, I mean, I'm not trying to do Janet Jackson. <laughs> Janet Jackson, much respect. Janet Jackson. <laughs> much respect. I'm not trying to do the, J- the Janet um, 50s. Not right. But, right, you know, right. I, I love that she did it. Right. I'm happy. Good for you, girl. Good for you, girl. <laughs> But I, I do appreciate it when I hear other women tell me it's okay. Like just, it's okay. you know what I'm saying? It's it's, okay. it's it's so important to have a community of women. That's right. For me, that's right. Who um who remind me that my journey is 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 mine, and I don't need to compare it to anyone else's. And that's where it. I am is perfect. And just you know enjoy it. And just enjoy perfect. this space. Enjoy it. So I appreciate you Absolutely. for that. Thank you. Absolutely. And I'm grateful to you for being on my show and 
this has been a blast. Yay. It was kind of we we hopped all over the map, but I just thank you for riding. Oh, with me I will ride on that, on that Listen, journey. I will go <laughs> wherever. Is there a way for people to follow you? I mean, you're not the typical artist on the show who has like um, a million handles. <laughs> I am on Instagram and on Twitter. I am going to get better. <laughs> Uh, Every I guest says that. There Every is. single one. Do they? Yes. Oh, good. I swear. Because we have these social media directors that are like, you don't post enough. You just post your kid. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I will. I will get better. But it's at Camila F. Um, that's on Instagram and on Twitter. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. Follow me. Well, you guys can follow the Outlet Radio Show at Outlet Radio Show on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And if you want to follow me personally, you can follow me at I am Azania Shange on Twitter and on Instagram. This has been really, really awesome. I'm this so was grateful awesome. to you for bearing with me. I, sure. I was so nervous. I was like, this no, is, this, this was, was great. This was better than I could have ever imagined. Run my mouth. So. <laughs> you were great. You were awesome. So thank okay. you so much for no this. Problem. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. All right, you guys, it's been a pleasure. Until next time, take care. Hey, hey, this is Camila Forbes, and you're listening to the Outlet Radio Show with Azania Shange.